0: Welcome to Crypto Clarified, investing in the truth, a podcast series where we come together each month to discuss the most captivating headlines and trends from the investing in crypto space. My name's Benjamin Dean. I'm director in WisdomTree's digital assets team, and I'm joined by my co host, Camilla Russo, who's founder of Defiant Media. We're also joined this week by our special guest, Ed Fricker. An attorney licensed in new york state who represents predominantly clients in the startup cybersecurity, and crypto fintech sectors kemi how are you
1: i'm great ben it's great to see you again
0: how has uh, your last month been it's been busy right
1: it's been insane uh you know in, in the news business covering crypto um there's we've just been flooded with you know just breaking story after breaking story so it's it's been really fascinating i think we're living through historic times right now in crypto
0: absolutely it's never a dull moment in the space and this month we've got a lot of crypto to clarify it's a great Mm -hmm. thing that nobody loves clarifying crypto more than us but we're going to have a very special guest ed fricker Uh, ed welcome
2: hello thank you very much for having me on as well
0: so before ed i asked you to introduce yourself i will say that we always love questions coming in, so please send them over, crypto-clarified at wisdomtree.com, or ping us on Twitter. You can find me at Benjamin Dean, Cammy at Kami Russo, and uh, you could even uh, reach out to Jason at Guthrie Fye if you feel inclined to do so. Before I begin though, I do need to state the following. So shout out to James and Sam in compliance to clarify. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Wisdom Tree and Defiant Media and are subject to change. Anything we present in this podcast is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research, nor as investment or tax advice. The information presented is not a recommendation, offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities and reliance upon it is at the sole discretion of the listener. Information we present may be back test based on back tested or forecasted data. Please remember past performance is no indication of future results. With the housekeeping done, let's kick things off. Ed, uh, tell us a bit about yourself. So, uh, my understanding is that you and Cami already know one another, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, but the yeah. listeners don't know who you are. So give us a, a brief synopsis about you, the work you do, and how you're involved in the crypto
2: space. Sure. So I am a New York attorney. Uh, my name is Edward Fricker. I've been uh, working in the crypto, uh, cryptography and uh, tech startup space for the last uh, eight years or so. Uh, of course, back then, you know, the cryptocurrency space was very nascent and small. And it's uh, progressively grown since then. So I've I've been an advocate for uh, founders in the uh, cybersecurity and cryptography sectors. I've been uh, representing them on, um, you know, for for things like uh, venture capital investments, token sales. I've also been helping a lot of investors, uh, venture capital investors, angel investors, and hedge funds uh, with, with their move into the crypto space. And yeah. Uh, being quite busy and advising that area. Um, I first spoke to Kami uh, when I uh, co-founded a conference called DeFiCon, which is a New York charity conference to raise money for local charities in New York. And Kami uh, uh, was a fantastic uh, partner uh, to that uh, event. Um, and the, the conference is happening again in just a few weeks in, in New York City. So um, everyone's welcome.
0: Excellent, well, thank you for joining us today. Very timely. Uh, to have uh, a legal perspective, given the events of the the past month or so. Uh, Cami, you can't avoid this Three Arrows Capital, right? Uh, If anyone wants to get full updates, you go to the defiant.io, it's all there. But Cami, if you could give us like the synopsis, what's happened, what is Three Arrows Capital and what has been unfolding in this space the last uh, month or so?
1: Yeah, so Three Arrows Capital, Grew to become um, one of the most, uh, you know, relevant, looked uh, after, kind of, uh, and biggest uh, funds in the crypto space in this past bull run. Uh, reportedly, it had uh, around 10 billion in assets uh, under management, um, and you know, it invested all over DeFi, uh, all over crypto and it had very vocal founders, susu uh, Su and Kyle Davis. Um, Su had coined this uh, concept of the super cycle, um, which said that uh, basically crypto prices would continue going up and up and we wouldn't have like a, a huge drawdown like we, we had seen previously uh, in crypto um and it turns out that um three arrows had uh, based on this thesis of the super cycle they had um, gone massively long uh, on crypto with leverage so they had taken on leverage loans uh, with different uh, lenders and counterparties across the space um, they had also taken on uh, own portfolio companies uh, funds uh, reportedly, um, and managed their treasuries. Uh, and obviously, you know, they had uh, taken on external capital to uh, to invest. Uh, other funds um, had trusted you know their uh, their assets with them um, to invest and so they were uh, they were this uh, piece in in crypto that had become connected with all these other different uh, entities and so when they uh, when the crash started to unravel um and particularly there were a few positions uh, that they were in um that didn't play out uh, one was the um, grayscales gbtc trade uh, which you know uh, it's this um, trust that uh, holds bitcoin but it's not an etf so it doesn't have daily um redemptions uh and it it's only kind of um it's 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 traded in a way that usually it did trade uh, at a premium to uh, the bitcoin price like the the trust price was at a premium to Bitcoin. So that used to be a a really good trade for investors who uh, could get in and and buy it at at the NAV price. Uh, But then that trade started to to fall apart and and now GBTC is actually trading at a discount to the Bitcoin price. So three arrows um, was in that trade. Um, They also held a staked E, um, which is a derivative, uh, of, um, of, of uh, Ether in, in uh, the proof-of-stake chain um, issued by LIDO. And that used to trade at one to one to ETH. But now, you know, it, it started to uh, trade at a discount again. Um, and uh, those were kind of the main two. And, and of course, Luna uh, was the other trade that three hours was a, a big in. And that of course, like failed spectacularly as uh, we discussed last time. Um, so there were like these big trades uh, that many investors were kind of, it was like, you know, like very popular trades um, that just unraveled very quickly. And three arrows happened to be in, in all of them in a big way. Um, and so that just had this cascading effect where um, it you know all these trades collapsed and now it wasn't able to pay back uh, loans, um, and and meet its you know collateral requirements. Um, with uh, places like Celsius, like Voyager, which you know uh, was went bankrupt uh, because of the it it had uh, I think lended hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to Three Hours Capital. I Think it was like six hundred million or something something like that. Uh, so it went bankrupt. Uh, Babel Capital um, also uh, had, uh, you know, was under a huge strain because of Three Arrows exposure and so on. Um, so, you know, it, it's just been a huge, huge mess. Like it, it's had this incredible just domino effect uh, on the whole space.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. The systemic risk is is noticeable. And as you say, it's almost like dominoes falling. Three hours car- capital, a hedge fund with leveraged long positions, wrote a market note this month. LTCM without the Nobel Economists is the title. And that's me trying to be wry. But this has not been unseen before in, uh, in, in traditional finance. But what is kind of interesting, though, Ed, is uh, you know seeing bankruptcies and insolvencies in the space now, the size of them, is noticeable, but this is not the first time that we've seen these kinds of events in the crypto space. Give us a, a short history then of uh, what we've seen in the past and how it compares to what we're seeing play out right now.
2: Yeah, and you know, it's very interesting when you do have a uh, you know, a, a bubble burst or a, a crash because you get a lot of legal action as a result. And these, uh, in the end, serve to clarify you know, what, you know, how people should act in the future, because you get, um, you know, lawyers and judges making rulings about how things uh, should be treated, um, so that when the next problems happen, they're not as serious. So, you know, obviously, the first first big bankruptcy that most people talk about was when, in 2014, when, um, you know, there was a big uh, Bitcoin crash, and China banned Bitcoin, and um mount gox uh was was hacked at the time mount gox was the the only uh you know highly uh liquid uh centralized exchange and uh it was it was considered the the, the oracle for bitcoin pricing uh but um but yeah you know it it went bankrupt in japan and uh you know this 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 uh resulted in in a lot of uh, you know international legal uh, negotiations, you know, for people hearing about Bitcoin for the first time, um, and you know, Japanese government and lawyers who, who who never had to really look at this before, um, you know, treating this with with uh, you know very very serious. Uh, purview and 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 passing uh, laws and and crypto regulations and this kind of thing. As a result, we can see Japan is is probably the clearest uh, crypto legislation in the world uh, because you know they understand the results of not having this this kind of um, clarity. Uh, you know 2014, uh, then you know we had uh, uh, several uh, other sort of bankruptcies, usually result, as a result of uh, quote unquote hacks. Um, sometimes the hacks were just, you know, the, the team themselves um, being compromised, uh, or, or someone someone leaving with the, the money. Uh, but, um, you know, with the, the crash of 2018, 2019, we saw, you know, uh, exchanges like Cryptopia, uh, Cryptopia went bankrupt. Uh, as a result, we had the first major lawsuit that determined that Bitcoin was legally property. Um, it wasn't some kind of Uh, immaterial uh, value thing it wasn't some kind of just it wasn't just data it was actually property that could be held in trust by other people now what's really important to note is that that same lawsuit which was uh resolved by the new zealand high court in 2020 using pieces of law from the united states and and uh uk uh as um precedent was that cryptocurrencies can be held on trust by a centralized holder they're not just a uh, property that goes back to the creditors so if you are owed money by a centralized custodian or investment manager or uh, exchange which you are essentially the same business model you uh, having your your crypto according to this uh, uh, judgment you have your crypto in trust with uh, that particular custodian. So that money has to go back to you and not to the people that that company owes money to, which is very interesting because, you know, let's say an exchange does go bankrupt because it owes, you know, um, a, a, uh, a big, um, you know, FTX or even 3 Hours capital, a large amount of money, um, then your crypto accounts are still safe. This was important in Cryptopia because a lot of um, a lot of uh, Bitcoin and uh, uh, was itself was was taken. Um, as a result, the the exchange went bankrupt. But if you held a lot of Dogecoin or other cryptocurrencies there, your accounts were safe. So people that held Bitcoin, the one that was stolen, they they were the ones that um, that missed out. Which is which is very informative for people in the future. There was quite a lot of discussion um, with regards to the potential um, bankruptcy um, if it would ever happen of an exchange like Coinbase, where there was a letter to creditors that said, you know, um, uh, there you know, we we decide to treat uh, accounts as part of our balance sheet and not you know in trust to the account holders. Um, I don't. It would be very interesting to see how that would actually hold up in court, because you know, we do have a very strong decision um, on the Cryptopia case. You know, um, at the moment, you'll see I'm wearing a, a hat that says HODL. This is actually a, a Celsius hat that I wore just for this particular chat, because um, you know I thought it, it was relevant. Um, you know, Celsius um, have chosen to force people into HODL mode, so they can't withdraw um, their their uh, own currencies from from the platform. Uh, this is um, this is sort of interesting. Um, if they would be allowed to do that, um, y- you know, given their particular uh, regulation and their local authority, they they might not be able to treat customer funds as uh, as sort of uh, lendable and it, and investable on their own balance sheet. But you know, this is a really important question. That um, you know, lend anyone who lends, anyone who invests in a company, and anyone who puts their money into an account in a particular exchange or um, investment service needs to think about, you know, if there is trouble with the company, do I still get my money back?
0: Now, you've just jumped three steps ahead of the folks listening Ed, which is a good thing. Uh, but we need to rewind a little bit here. So as a quick summary. What we used to see in the past was exchanges going bust. People would deposit their cryptocurrency in inverted commas in an exchange, and for a variety of reasons, these exchanges would go bust. Now, Cami, you mentioned Celsius and Voyager as well. What kind are those exchanges? And if they're not, what is it that's different about what they were doing compared to the? defunct businesses we've seen uh, in the crypto space in the past?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, while, you know, we've seen uh, bankruptcies in crypto before, I think I think what's different in this uh, crash is that the space has become a lot more complex and sophisticated um, and interconnected. So while before kind of the main, you know, biggest... Businesses in crypto were basically just exchanges. Now we have other financial services, um, and lenders have become an important part of the system, both in CFI in centralized crypto and in DeFi in decentralized finance. Um, and so, Voyager and Celsius were both uh, centralized lenders. So that means that they took. Customer funds in custody, and uh, offered this lending and borrowing service. Um, and you know what? What's different here is that you know before exchanges uh, were had um, and and went fast, uh, but now it's about the systemic risk, right? It's about um, uh, Celsius lending out customer uh, funds and, or I I should say, not just lending out customer funds, which, you know, that's your business, but um, it's uh, investing customer funds in illiquid strategies. And that's where it it, it ran into trouble. So uh, Celsius was offering uh, close to 20% interest rates on customer deposits. And the way it was able to offer those returns was uh, by going by using anchor, by using Terra's uh, now, you know uh, defunt um, lending protocol. So it was taking on massive risk with customer funds and it wasn't disclosing exactly what it was doing with those funds. So it was it was acting like a hedge fund, like it was investing, um deposits which people thought were you know they were safe in celsius hands but no they were going off and doing very risky things uh with with those deposits and so what happened is because like the system is interconnected now and uh, all these uh, applications on projects are plugged into each other luna went bust and that kind of Affected Celsius. Three hours went past, and because it had taken out uh, loans with Celsius, that affected Celsius um, and so on. Same with Voyager. So,
0: yeah, it's like it strikes me as a cybersecurity person, or at least in my life before Wisdom Tree, I worked in cybersecurity. And a lot of those exchanges back in the day used to go bust because they kept the keys, the private keys, on uh, hot wallets, so connected to the internet. So it was a cybersecurity or operational set of problems, but what we're seeing play out here is something that looks a lot more like uh, traditional finance. Yeah. This is debt going bad, leveraged long positions without sufficient risk management uh, practices in place. Ed, you know, earlier when you were describing the space, uh, you were saying that eventually, in the past, we've seen as these kinds of blowups happen that uh, laws and regulations end up being updated and changed. Do you have any view on uh, what the likely fallout will be in this iteration, especially given that now kind of the the new problem has been irresponsible crypto lending, which didn't used to happen?
2: Yeah, I think it's actually very promising because as a result of the Mt. Gox uh, hack and and, uh, collapse, uh, you had to have... um, uh, because you know the legal system in Japan is extremely slow. No, no, even people still don't have their Bitcoin back. It's been you know eight years, right? So what um, what th- they had to do? All of the creditors had to get together, and so they would actually receive their Bitcoin back that they had in their accounts, or the fraction that was still left. Uh, they had to agree to a a a settlement that would sort of benefit um, the mo- like all of the creditors as a whole, right? Um, and I think this kind of collaboration between people that, you know, have usually never met each other in real life, it's a very, you know, scattered and um, I would say, you know, a dysfunctional community because it doesn't, you know, function as a community. Um, this this is going to change, right? We're going to see um, lenders uh, suddenly think oh why didn't i ask my my friends who i talk to all the time if they've also lent several billion dollars to to three hours capital why you know here are all my friends uh, that that you know i should be talking to more regularly to to get a better sense as to you know how big are the liabilities of this company i'm dealing with people just weren't asking those questions and they weren't um, collaborating as much, right? So I think you know, with the firms that do survive um, this uh, this this crash and, and you know the resulting uh, uh, insolvencies, um, we'll see um, generally uh, what you know what's called restructuring. That's when um, you know a generally a, a banker or a, a very uh, successful uh, finance person will will go and, and talk to all of the creditors and say, hey, you know. Um, maybe we can still make good on some of the the money that you're owed uh, but it would be like a more extended process or you know some other um some other kind of way to pay you back um and then you know in negotiation with uh, a group of, of people who are owed money uh come up with a sort of final uh settlement you know a, a restructuring sort of situation where people might sh- swap um you know some of their debt for ownership in in the new the new uh survival company that gets created uh, so this, this could happen and probably will happen with some of the larger entities. Uh, so uh, you know, as a result, you'll have more cohesion between the different um, you know, surviving uh, companies in this space and yeah, a, a greater sense of collaboration between uh, the, the, the different professionals in the crypto space, um, you know, even though that, that might have taken quite a bit of a hit in the last few weeks.
0: It's gonna be a nice segue into the second half of this episode, um, because what we are seeing is this consolidation happening across the industry. Kami, consolidation across the industry, that doesn't sound hugely DeFi, uh, but I'm wondering if you're watching what's going on here, I'm thinking about folks like Sam Bankman, Frieden, FTX or, or Binance. Are you also seeing this consolidation in what we call DeFi? But is is looking less and less decentralized by the month.
1: I think you know we'll we'll talk about that uh, more uh, coming up. But you know things like uh, Celsius, Voyager, Three Arrows Capital, um, that's definitely not DeFi. Um, and uh, I think you know and, and and like a separate point is is consolidation, which I think we. We will see both in in CFI and DeFi, and it's just a normal process to happen uh, in downturns. You know, uh, some businesses uh, become um, insolvent or, or get into trouble, and and then other businesses with stronger balance sheets uh, take that as an opportunity to scoop up those discounted assets. You know, it's just normal capitalism um, at, at work. Uh, basically so I think we'll see this happen um, across crypto um, I think it'll look different in DeFi and CeFi uh, in DeFi maybe it'll be kind of DAOs consolidating uh, or who knows um, in CeFi what we've seen is um, Sandbank Manfred and FTX really taking this opportunity to uh, come in and gain just you know just like massive positions uh, all over the space um, and they become this sort of um, <clears throat> I don't know like um, bailout system <laughs> or, or, or something um but it's I mean it's 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 unclear to me exactly what the the driver is so you, you can kind of be very naive and simplistic about it and say you know like SBF is a very kind of shrewd uh, business person. And yeah, he's seen the opportunity to buy these assets at a low price. Like he he has this option to buy BlockFi at I think 240 million or so um, after BlockFi was valued at over a billion. Like it, it was a unicorn at some point. So, you know, now he's able to grab that at a huge discount. Um, same with um, Celsius, he's offered a, a revolving kind of credit line, um, I believe. Um, so he's just like taking these opportunities. Uh, but, you know, I, I've read um, this more kind of cynic take where, you know, SPF is also very much uh, on the line uh, with these entities. You know, like it's it's unclear exactly, you know. How much um, SPFs uh, entities like uh, FTX, Alameda, uh, how much they borrowed, um, and how much they rely on uh, all all these lenders to uh, remain solvent. Uh, so it, it's also you know maybe uh, maybe opportunistic, but also it's uh, in they're doing it in a bit to just like save themselves as well that's just like speculation um i've read just you know something something to think about uh, but i think you know we, we're we starting to see this consolidation and it's it's coming from you know huge players uh like like ftx and you know who have like very very strong balance sheets and are able to take advantage uh, of this time
0: yeah absolutely. i really like
2: what you just said uh Kami, especially about you know the difference between DeFi and CeFi, right? And yeah, as you noted, some people don't really know the difference between DeFi and CeFi because they go to a website and they just see the logo and the branding and they don't know the right questions to ask. How decentralized is this? Why is DeFi better than CeFi? Uh, And I think we've proven uh, over the last few weeks that you know if you do have uh, a DeFi system where there is no single person in control and no one can take your assets and do things that you didn't give permission for then uh you are safe from these kind of uh these kind of collapses so it'd be really interesting so you know uh actually maybe i could ask you this question like what if you were asked by somebody um camilla how do i know if something's decentralized or not like what would you recommend they ask and how, how would what kind of research would you recommend so do
1: i think you know like the the main um indication of whether something uh, an entity is uh, centralized or decentralized is whether it's non-custodial or not like are you in control of your private keys or not um and and that's pretty binary you know with with celsius um you are trusting um a third party to take control over your funds. You don't have control over over your private keys. When you're using um, DeFi lending protocols like Aave and Compound, uh, you're not trusting a third party to keep custody of your funds. You have the custody of your funds. Uh, You have control over over your private keys. Um, And then um, the second step is who is making these like transaction uh, decisions? Um, when you're uh, when you're interacting with a DeFi lending protocol, uh, all these decisions of um, uh, lending, uh, liquid liquidations, everything is done by a smart contract. There's no kind of you know uh, centralized human um making arbitrary decisions on what to do with your funds once they're in the protocol Uh, it's it's a smart contract so and you're interacting directly with it um so that gives um that you know that provides a lot of uh, guarantees that you know someone's not going to take off with uh, your money and use it in all these kind of Risky places that you have no idea, you know what's what's happening, like like it happened in Celsius. When you're using Aave, you know exactly where your funds are, because everything is transparent. It's it's on chain. You can track it, um, and you can you have because you have uh, control over your funds. You're able to withdraw them from the protocol whenever you like. Like there's no freezing withdrawals. Um, if, if the protocol is properly uh, decentralized. So those are the things to watch out for. Uh, I, I think the clearest sign is whether it's custodial or not. Um, mm. And then whether it's, you know, who's making those transactions, like, is it a human or is it, is it all automated on chain?
2: Yeah, I Indeed. guess if you have to sign up or put in your email address or name, that's a good proof that it's not DeFi, right?
0: indeed uh, a very succinct description of what DeFi is characterized by ed we've come up on the half hour i'm afraid um it's been a pleasure having you here we hope to have you again another day it's been uh, great
2: yeah thanks so much and uh yeah i look i look forward to to watching the rest of this uh uh you know uh, after after deficon
0: excellent yes indeed deficon what's the website that people
2: can find for deficon uh deficon.nyc so d-e-f-i-c-o-n dot all of the tickets are nfts that you can mint and all of the, the 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 uh money goes um directly to the charities none of the founding team um take any any salaries or anything it's a true it's a true non-profit
0: excellent well thanks again ed it's been a pleasure thank you for listening to part one of our latest crypto clarified podcast Stay tuned for part two, in which we'll be tackling key educational topics as well as debunking some of the popular misconceptions around cryptocurrencies in our Crypto Mythbuster session.